Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by AsweatLife.com on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Kristen Guile. I'm the Chief Content Officer of AsweatLife.com. And today I am talking to Ashley Connell. She is the CEO and founder of The Prowess Project, which helps women return to work after a pause, not necessarily in tech. Uh, And what they do is they vet and they provide training and upskilling, and then they match uh, women candidates with jobs based on their experience and behavior style compatibility. Ashley, how are you? Oh, I am great. Thank you so much for having me. I am pumped. I am super excited for this conversation because I think it's incredibly relevant for the time we are in now. We're recording this at the end of June. Uh, right at a time when people are re-entering their offices and going back to work in a lot of different capacities. So we have a lot to talk about, but first, I would love to hear your life story in your own words. Yes, life story. I love that. Um, So as a child... We can even start there. Um, my parents were very young when they had me. So I bounced around from state to state, moving with them as they finished college. And then um, we found ourselves in just north of Dallas, grew up there, jumped over to University of Texas at Austin and absolutely loved it. Had the best college experience. Um, and then from there, I I got a degree in PR, did one internship, and was like, absolutely not. (laughs) This is not for me. Um, Failed all of my journalism and writing press releases, all of it. So then jumped into tech marketing, did that for about 15 years, started at a startup in Austin. They moved me over to London to open up their European office. I came back. And then um, started Prowess Project about seven years after that. And so, what yes. was the, the inspiration behind the Prowess Project? Yes. So I realized as I was 15 years into this tech marketing career that, yes, I, I loved it. But as I was going through it, I had this background anxiety that I didn't even ex- I didn't know that hap- that was happening. I couldn't, I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't identify it, but I was making decisions because of it. And I finally pinpointed that it was because I didn't know how I was going to continue this career that I had dropped everything for, and then also have children someday. So hopped online, found the horrific Harvard Business Review statistic that if a woman is out of the workforce for just three years raising children, she loses 37% of her total compensation power forever. 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 No amount of moves from company to company will make that up. Well, yes. Horrific. And this happens to 43% of women. Wow. And at the time, it was 2018. And I was like, how is this still a problem? How is this still something that's going on? And with that, went out and talked to everyone who would listen, including hundreds of women who were in that scenario, wanted, um, they educated, experienced, took off two, three years from the workforce to raise their children, were trying to get back in. All they could get were unpaid internships. Right? Unpaid internships aren't even cool anymore. I didn't even know that was legal. 
Right. If you're in college or if you're working, you have to get paid. Otherwise you're volunteering. 100%. And yet that's all they could get. So they would take it so that in, in hopes they would get to the next level. So diving deeper into that on, on why they had all these barriers, the first one that they said every single time was lack of confidence. And then because of the lack of confidence, they um, needed and couldn't piece together for themselves a clear path from home to hired. So that's what Prowess Project is. We are an integrated platform that takes women through training, jobs, and community while they're going through the training. We're gathering hundreds of data points on them, on their skills, their expertise, their behavior style, learning style, communication style, values, and that's how we match them up with with jobs and teams. So employers give us that information too. We embed the employers as well, send the employers their top three matches based on on data, and then they get to pick who they want to interview. I love how niche this is and how, how specialized you are. And I think it's, it feels like a very specific hole in the industry, but it's obviously one that's very close to your heart and that women everywhere are experiencing. And they really have to weigh that those factors of how and when they want to make certain moves in their career versus how and when they want to start a family. If they've got that ability to, you know, have kids right away. Um, And I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into that 37% stat, they lose 37% of their total compensation potential. Do you think that that's because they're really losing that much in training or in skill development? Is it because of the, the stigma of mothers returning to the workplace? I'd love for you to break that down a little bit. It is absolutely the stigma. Sure, yes, technology moves fast. I agree. If you're out for three years, yeah, you may not know the latest feature in Zoom. You may not know the latest in Slack or Zapier, whatever it is, but those are easy things to learn. You you do not lose all your professional know-how in three years. And if anything, during that time you're out, you are gaining so many skills that are transferable in the workforce, especially around running teams, mm-hmm. that it, it well, in my opinion, well makes up for the fact that you've been out for three years. Um, but what we're seeing time and time again, and what the data shows us is there is this mommy penalty. So the working mother makes 66 cents on a white man's dollar. And it's because Americans, American workers typically believe that a woman who has children is less dedicated to her job. I noticed you just said American right there. Is this different in other countries? Have you seen evidence of that in your research? Absolutely. So uh, Scandinavian companies, this is not uh, the case. European, um, there are a lot of European countries where the um, gap is much, much closer. I think what I will say is because we are a startup, because we are focused on America right now and all of our talent and clients are nationwide, that is our focus. And so that is the data that I'm constantly looking at. And then, I mean, just look at COVID and how America handled that and all of the 5.4 million who, women who were pushed out of the workforce because of lack of childcare. America has a spotlight on us right now. And um, we have opportunity to do better. And so I think we can. 
All right. You've led me right into one of the questions I wanted to ask you when I was doing research to, to prep for this interview. And I'm sure you've seen this article from the New York Times. It was it was about a month ago about the great she session. Yes. Um, about, and I'll, I'll summarize it real quick for our listeners who haven't, and we'll link to this in the show notes too. But um, as this article reports, women bore the brunt of caretaking, whether that was for children or other relatives during the pandemic. And as a result, millions of women were pushed out of their jobs or were first forced to downsize their careers. And that's made this really trendy name, the she session is what economists are calling it. So I'd love to hear you know, your thoughts on this she session, this moment we're in right now, um, and how you've been thinking about it in this current moment as it relates to the Prowess Project. Absolutely. So it's so incredibly sad. You cannot blame these women for, for choosing, or not choosing, that's the wrong word, being forced out of the workforce because it's, hey, taking care of my family or continuing to work. And as I'm having conversations with couples, even if the woman is the breadwinner, it was still unspoken that she would leave the workforce and not her male partner. And I think that has a ton to do with, you know, gender roles and all sorts of things, completely different topic that we could get into. But what this means is more and more companies are going to want women because we see that uh, if you have greater gender diversity in leadership, that increases your profit by 15%. Yes. The US, the world is becoming so data-driven, which the good part about that is there will be more and more data on gender diversity and why that is key. So I anticipate that this 5.4 million and growing women who were forced out in the next year or two, they're going to be coming back in. Our lives are going to get back to normal. We're already seeing it and they're going to want to tiptoe back into the workforce or jump back in, but they're going to have different demands. They're going to want flexibility. They're going to want remote They're going to want um, hybrid in some way, different setups. And so I think that employers, if they want to attract and retain this female talent, they're going to have to adjust. And I think that we're going to see the ones that are forward thinking and do adjust will reap those benefits. That 15% that you just cited, uh, halfway into my very like intense facial reaction. I realized we were recording a podcast and people couldn't hear me making a very shocked face, but 15% increase in profit by just having insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Why do you think that is? So there is a ton of data on emotional intelligence and how women have or naturally have those skills. So of the 12 different aspects of emotional intelligence, women outperform men in um, 11 of them. And on the 12th, there is no difference. Oh my God. Yes. And we're also seeing that CEOs, they're, they're all, again, data is showing that for CEOs and leadership, the number one quality that will that will keep the company moving forward is empathy. So based on those two data points alone, it is a no brainer that the more women that we have in leadership 
and the more diverse and um, balanced we have these leadership teams, the more empathy, the more understanding, the more um, collaboration, thus more profit. That's so interesting to me because empathy isn't a term you hear thrown around the business world very much. Like as far as stereotypes go, you think of, you know, people needing to be ruthless or competitive or, you know, wanting to gain that edge over some, like someone else, whether that's someone internally that maybe you're up against for a promotion or another competitor in your industry. And empathy is not something that we talk about very much as it relates to business. And I feel like people would have seen it as a weakness. um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad to say that that is starting to change, but the way I, the the way I explain it is the workplace is like a urinal, but built for men. What? (laughs) It is plain and simple. Like the workforce was not built with women in mind. And so we've created all of these norms that reward aggression, that reward, that ruthlessness that you were just discussing. And now we're finding as there's more women or feminine energy or whatever we we want to call it, because I also don't think it's men versus women by any means. Um, I, I think that those qualities are typically referred to as feminine. So that's kind of how I'm, I'm discussing it. But but anyway, as we see more and more of those characteristics come into the workforce, and then we're looking at the data and seeing how those companies are growing, improving, getting faster, stronger, harder, there's no debate. There's no debate. If, if you want more money, you add more women to the workforce or celebrate those, again, feminine qualities. Let's take a pause on this conversation right now. Um, I have some things that I want to come back to, but let's take a break and let's talk a little bit about goals. Um, I, you know, we prepped you for these questions, so I'm excited to hear what you're, what you're going to share with us. But let's start by talking about a big goal that you've had in the past and why it was important to you and how you got there. Anything at all. So I was so excited about this question. Um, so my goal that I had that I achieved, I in college, I studied abroad. I went over to Italy, spent a summer there, absolutely loved it, traveled all around Europe. I thought I was the luckiest girl in the absolute world. And I was. Um, so came back and... I'm um, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next or what I want my career to look like. And I, I said to myself, I want to work in Europe again or, or move, live in Europe, work in Europe, et cetera. So here I was first, um, first interview, like my first big girl job at a school. And I, I'm sitting there. <laughs> I love this story. So I, I'm sitting there. We're supposed to meet at a coffee shop. Here I am in my, like, you know, suit. I have like this briefcase. What? Like just was there anything in the briefcase? No, no, actually that's false. There was one resume copy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was just trying to be all the things. And, um, the woman who was going to interview me never showed. And I was like, oh, God, this sucks. Like, this is awful. Um, She calls me back 
two hours later. And she's like, oh my God, I am so sorry. I completely blew off this meeting. Instead of coffee, do you have an hour right now and we can go get margaritas? And I was, (laughs) yeah. I was like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yes. I'm taking off these heels. I am taking off this, this suit, but I will be there for margaritas. So show up there. Um, it's Jen Slavsky, my first boss out of school. She is just so phenomenal. I call her my, um, real life fairy godmother because in that conversation, in that interview, I told her my goal of wanting to move back to Europe. And she, um, made that happen four years into my job working with her. So she just kept giving me more and more opportunities as the startup was growing, especially just looking at the marketing in Europe. And I just kept saying yes. And um, like I said, four years later, I found myself running the marketing for Europe for SpiceWorks. That's amazing because from what I know anecdotally from friends who have wanted to have that same goal. It is not easy to move no. to, especially if you need a certain visa or like if you're, it was great that you had the support of your company to go yes. there. But that doesn't mean it wasn't still a really long path. You said four years in. Oh yeah. Four years in. And I mean, it was a startup. They didn't know what they didn't know either about sending someone over to a different country. So there I am, no visa, just show up with my two suitcases moving over there. And um, every time I left the country, when I would get to border control, they they would take me into a room for 30 minutes, grill me and be like, why are you still here? Until finally I got a a visa. And I think I I got it within days of being kicked out of the country. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What kind of cultural differences did you notice specifically like in the workforce as you were trying to open this office there and how did you navigate that with your own company's culture versus like a, a London-based office culture? Yes. So the number one thing, and I don't think that this is going to surprise anyone, um, especially in tech startups, it's work, 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 business, business, business. Yes, there's fun, but it's work first. Oftentimes when we were doing business in Europe, it was play first, create those relationships And then, okay, yes, I will work with you. And so that was a huge shift for me because I wanted to immediately dive into ideas and how we're going to work together and profits and numbers and ROI. And I I finally got the hint that, whoa, 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 let's just get to know each other first. And then we can talk about if this makes sense. And so it was definitely, definitely a a shift for me. Um, But are you kidding me? That sounds super fun. (laughs) It's a good thing you had the emotional intelligence to recognize what <laughs> these future partners were trying to tell you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we operate with a very similar mentality at a sweat life. We always say we only do business with people and brands that we like, you know, no, no money or no partnership deal unless it's going to be like seven figures, which we haven't had yet, but knock on wood, um, yet. would be worth us yet. Uh, would be worth us like suffering and feeling like we owe someone else like our full love and support when we don't get that back and we don't have that same respect in return. And um, I guess it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with building empathy into the workplace and not just empathy, but relationship building. Um, that's not 
purely transactional. Absolutely. And I think that, I think we could take a couple pages out of their book. And I do think that we could slow down in the workforce and enjoy a lot more because let's be honest, you want to work harder for the people you like. Yes, exactly. and we heard that over and over again when we were built uh, before we were building prowess and talking to the hiring managers on um, what do they hate about the hiring process. And oftentimes it was that a it took too long, but b they didn't know if they actually meshed with that person that they just hired until three six months into that person working there. Then. Oh look, there's not a personality fit. Oh look, you know we're not having fun together. We don't like working together. See ya. That's a turnover, and it can be up to two hundred and fifty percent of that person's salary to replace them. Wow. And yeah. is that just because people are trying to project a certain image, or they're on their best behavior when they're interviewing, or during those first few months on the job? What's what's causing that discrepancy? I think there's that, but also if you look at the hiring process, look at the resume. Just point blank. Does it say anything about your personality? Does it say anything about your soft skills? Does it say anything about what you would be like on the day-to-day? No. And we're not well, we're not trained to include that either. You're supposed to show that in a cover letter, which right. people traditionally hate. Yes. No, yes. no one likes a cover letter. No one likes a cover letter, which, which yeah, sadly is the case. I personally love a cover letter. But I'm a writer. I love them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and, and now we're seeing this get even worse because of AI bots who are looking at resumes, scanning them for keywords, and just, and then shortlisting based on that, not based on what that person has truly done and what that person's really like. And so I think that there's a huge disconnect and a huge reason why Prowess is trying to turn hiring on its head and really focus on, hey, those quote unquote soft skills are just as, if not more important than the hard skills, because again, you want to work with people you like. Yeah. Before we take a quick break for some Zen with Sunday Scaries, We want to remind you how obsessed we are with their delicious and super effective CBD-infused gummies packed with vitamins D3 and B12. Enjoy 20% off on their website with the code LIFE20 so you can enter max relax mode. That's L-I-F-E 20. Now I want you to settle into your seat or your stride and try a no-nonsense mantra with me. I am doing the best that I can. Now commit to those words and say them again. I am doing the best that I can. Say it to yourself two more times. There, that's not so scary. Now go take on the day. Let's fast forward to right now for that second part of our goals question. Uh, Tell me about a big goal that you're working on right now and why it's important to you and what steps you're taking to achieve it. Yes. So our big goal right now is to place a thousand women into jobs. So we are um, two and a half years old. And as you can imagine with a startup, you don't open the doors and everything is, is set and you're off and running and and have everything figured out. Um, So we started slow 
and we were really, really intentional about um, building what was right before scaling. And so now we're finally in this spot and have been for probably three to six months where we welcome the numbers. And so now just looking, hey, how do we get to a thousand? We're at about 200 now, um, but continue to offer the same, if not better experience on both the talent and the employer side. And when I say better, I mean more personable. How do we do that? And so, yeah, that's our our big goal. And um, our number one focus is being intentional in this, this problem. And hopefully it happens sooner than later. Well, I have no doubt that you're about to enter a boom period for Prowess Project. I would love to finish this off with, we're big fans on asweatlife.com of actionable advice and tangible takeaways. So things that, you know, someone reads a piece or listens to our interview and they walk away knowing how they can use what they just read or listened to, to achieve a goal. So from that angle, I would love to hear what advice you have for women who are reentering the workforce right at this moment, whether that's from a uh, child care related or, you know, getting laid off during the pandemic, anything that um, you think women should be thinking about right now as they dust off those resumes? Yes. Um, two, two main things. First, just take the next step, just the one next step that will get you there. I think oftentimes, and this is what we hear, it the thought of getting back into the workforce and piecing together that journey is so overwhelming. And I mean, I, I just spent the past however long explaining all the barriers and what these women faced or face. Um, so I think breaking it up into pieces and, and we try to help women do that at prowess, but there's lots of other great resources out there too. So there's that, but I think for me, what has been the most helpful in just in life, um, but is also applicable for women who are returning is tell everyone. I think oftentimes we're really ashamed or we're really nervous about what people are going to think when we say we have a goal or we want to go do something because we're not there yet. We're worried what they're going to think and who cares? Like at the end of the day, most people, or at least your people want to help. Yeah. And you never know who that person is going to know. You never know how, what that what's going to end up happening. And then I also believe if you just put stuff out in the universe, the universe will bring it back to you. Very manifesting of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's a great point though, because when I look back at my career and you know, I'm I'm 31, I've had four major jobs in my life. And the only one that I got through a blind resume submission was my very first one out of grad school. And from there, it was just all about connections that I had built with the network around me. Um, and I think those warm intros are so, so important. They're way more important than like clicking refresh on certain on LinkedIn or wherever you're finding your jobs that are not Prowess Project right now. <laughs> well, and I think, I think you nailed it because that, what we just both said is it's, the network that helps you get the next job. Well, a lot of the women that we were talking to who are returning, they don't have that. They feel like they don't have that network anymore. Uh, I was asking one, why are you, why don't you just pop back on LinkedIn? No big deal. And she said, Ashley going on LinkedIn is a, feels like a graveyard of what my life could have been. Oh, right. Oh, that's heartbreaking. 
absolutely heartbreaking. And so that was a big aha for me that community had to be a huge aspect of Prowess Project because these women want people who are in their same mindset of want to to continue their career or are at least curious about it um, and can help each other. And so anyway, that's a a huge part of of prowess that we are actively growing as well. Are there any specific industries that you've seen through prowess that have been especially accommodating or welcoming or like really excited to, to hire women in this particular scenario? Yes. Um, in so tech, but in particular tech startups. Um, and, and I think why that is, is because early tech startups, they want people who are going to hit the ground running. And I think that their options are, Hey, I don't have a massive budget. So I either hire someone straight out of school who is going to need that handholding fair enough, or I hire someone who is returning, but I actually don't need them full time. So at that same price, I can get them for 20 hours a week or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing more and more tech startups realizing like, oh, wow, that's a huge opportunity for us. And these women are workhorses because they're coming to prowess, nervous, looking for an employer. When an employer takes a chance on them, they have like loyalty for life. So yeah. what about when women are searching for their next move, are there any particular, um, trying to think of how to phrase this, are there any particular signs that a company is going to be a good fit? Like what should they be looking for during the interview process to check the boxes and to know, okay, yes, I can see myself fitting in here and succeeding here and helping them move the needle or on the opposite end, any red flags that you should keep an eye out for. Maybe that's a little easier. Yes. Well, I, I love you that you asked this question because with Prowess, one of our responsibilities that we have to the talent is to vet our employers as much as we're vetting our talent. Nice. So that happens through our own algorithm in our process, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we brought in a behavior scientist to help us write all of this because it was so incredibly important that we get it right. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes. Um, So there's a lot that we look at in in our vetting process, which can be as simple as um, the employer's day-to-day communication, how they describe their team, how if there had been someone in the role before, why did they leave? Um, how they describe the different projects that the team works on. Do they say, hey, we did this, or do they say, I did this? Little things like that are huge indicators on how collaborative that team or that employer is going to be. And I think for women, especially returners or women who are pivoting in their career or at this you know, crossroads, that collaboration is so key. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge one. There are tons of others, but I think that is one of the ones that our team looks at and is a huge indicator of um, success. I love that. Ashley, it has been so much fun to talk to you. You're yes, going to get a follow-up email with me about more, <laughs> more questions because I think we have more to talk about. But before I let you go, can you tell us where we can find you and Prowess Project on the internet and how we can stay up to date with what y'all are working on? 
Yes, absolutely. So we are prowessproject.com. Hop over there. Um, as far as me, best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, just Ashley Connell. And as on social, we are at Prowess Project on all social channels. So I welcome y'all. Please, please, please come over, say hi, join the community. We have a ton of open roles right now, which is really, really exciting. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Actually, thank you so much for being on We Got Goals. Yes. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. And thank you to uh, Ryan Deffitt for editing the audio of this podcast. Thank you to Ryan Barayuga for editing the video of this podcast. And thank you to you, wherever you are out there listening. Uh, we are so excited to share this interview and you can find A Sweat Life at asweatlife.com or at A Sweat Life anywhere on the internet. We'll see you next time.